it's it's exactly the same thing. And you know what? Nothing works like that. Yeah. The future is built by those who go out there and grab it by the neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast. Following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 18. Elon dumps BTC and BCH in South America. Today is Wednesday, the 19th of May, 2021. My name is Jeremy. I'm here with George, who, George Donnelly, who is a uh, Bitcoin cash enthusiast uh, and adoption uh, evangelist, I, I guess you'd say, an author, um, you know, a podcaster. Give yourself a bit of an introduction. How would you describe your, yourself? Uh, well, um, a writer. writer, I would say I'm a writer and a libertarian activist, you know, that's, that's my core, uh -huh. my core. Yeah. Thing. And, yeah. uh, most known, I would say probably in the Bitcoin cash uh, space for efforts in South America. Right. Uh, I haven't seen, I, I mean, obviously there is uh, a lot of people in South America doing great stuff for uh, Bitcoin cash, but certainly in the English speaking part of the, the Bitcoin cash community i think you you definitely uh prominent in that regards or at least that's how i kind of came across uh all your all your work there right yeah i've been doing uh, mass adoption work for a few years now and um we have a team again of about 30 people uh mostly in in venezuela um onboarding merchants onboarding people and uh, we have a business plan uh, to solve the inflows challenge uh, and, you know, really uh, get uh, BCH mass adoption on the right track. And how long have you been in Bitcoin then? When did, when did you start getting involved? Um, my first, I ran a conference, Libertarian Agorist Conference in uh, 2011. And uh, some people donated some Bitcoin to me. And so that's that's when I get into that's, it. That's that's pretty early. That's from that's definitely from the early days. So very long way, uh, you know, from then to now. And and I think we'll talk about definitely in this episode, especially recently, the sort of the narrative and how much it is has shifted and how we kind of need to get back to. In some ways, it almost feels like in 2011 it was going better than it is now. Even given, uh, <laughs> how, well, I wasn't there in 2011, I guess, but uh, in 2013, you know, in the early days, it was uh, it was a lot more on track. Uh, things have got a little a little lost along the way, maybe. But yeah, big we'll, time. We'll see. Right. So starting today with the with the price as always. So just before Bitcoin Cash, it was $737. And ninety-five cents, and one Bitcoin BTC could buy about fifty-two Bitcoin cash. So it was slightly down from last week's uh, episode on that metric, but that that was only just at a bit of a local dip. It has been up and down in the thirty-five to to fifty range over the last few days, and just we've had this enormous market crash <laughs> from uh, in literally the last twenty-four hours. So everything's in the red, pretty much every single crypto uh, led by Bitcoin, but everything else uh, following suit. Uh, we'll go into all the all the reasons why. But how much how much do you follow the price? How how invested are you in terms of the price is what matters versus some other metrics? Yeah, I, I really I don't enjoy following the price because I, I know people who 
um, you know, when the price is up, they're like, yeah, life is good. Have a party, like, get drunk. And then when the price is down, they're like slitting their wrists, you know. So I, I don't want to get caught up in that. But the bottom line is that we have to follow the price. Um, I absolutely have to follow the price because, you know, I'm building a Bitcoin cash business and I pay people in Bitcoin cash <laughs> to do the work. So, you know, I have to be careful to ensure that, you know, my purchasing power doesn't get, uh, you know, eviscerated. And also, I don't want to get stuck holding uh, like a stable coin when the price is going up. So, unfortunately, I have to pay a lot of attention to it. And, you know, some people say price doesn't matter, but it absolutely matters. Um, it's, you know, how everything, you know, people say, oh, it's a decentralized, we're a decentralized ecosystem. Oh, you know, adoption is accelerating here, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? All of that gets boiled down to the price. You know, whether we like it or not, whether we agree or not, that is the number one metric and key indicator of how uh, the ecosystem is doing. Yeah. I, interesting take. I mean, I, I agree with you. I start every show with it for a reason, mostly for... I think for me, for the historical record, so that when people go back and they listen to episodes, they can sort of get a sense of, oh, okay, it was going up or it's going down or, or, or whatever, because it's very hard for people to even to look at the price chart and understand that kind of in hindsight, right, if they weren't there at the time. Uh, but yeah, like the, the price matters, it's what everybody talks about and the crypto ecosystem operates on such a uh, cycle, like you're saying, like a boom bust cycle where when the price is going up, that means everybody who's in crypto gets a ton of resources by default to spread the word or to just go out and have a good time or just be, you know, have everyone be jealous of them, right? And then the exact opposite when the price goes down, suddenly it kind of uh, clears out the chaff, right? The people who can't hack it or who are having too much fun in the summer, they have a tough time in the winter, right? So. Uh, it's it's definitely mm. if if you want to be heavily involved in in cryptocurrency with a uh, you know a non trivial amount of your financial assets involved, you certainly have to learn some different uh, different strategies to what to what most people are probably used to uh, in how they manage their wealth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, back when I I I only knew a fiat world. I mean, I didn't have to think about this stuff. <laughs> but now we live in a uh, long tail world of, of money and assets and everything's available and everything's 24 seven. There are opportunities here and um, you'd, you'd be unwise to pass them up, especially when it looks like uh, we're getting a lot of uh, USD inflation. Um, you know, so everybody has to look out for their assets these days. Really. Yeah, exactly. The only, the worst thing is, uh, making no, no choice at all. Really. I would say in the, in the current world, but people start with the default and it works for them until it doesn't. And that's kind of really, really the key, I think. So yeah, in the last, uh, week as well, we've just seen, uh, this kind of story that I've been following every week of the transactions, which climbed up until they were above BDC. And then noise.cash, who were obviously doing a lot of these transactions, started batching transactions, and now it's back down sort of in the 100K range. And I saw some stats actually recently that they published that said that the noise.cash transactions is about 50 or 60,000 transactions a day, even with this batching, right? So if we say we've got slightly more than 100K, that would be about 30,000, 40,000, maybe on a good day, BCH, you know, non-noise cash transactions a day. 
and then the the noise.cash tipping as well. So I actually think that's a you know a fairly healthy uh, kind of rate. I'm su surprised even that globally it would be that much. But uh, you know I don't know what do you, what do you think of these uh, transactions? You've been seeing a lot of commerce happening around you. Ah, uh, some yeah, sure. Um, you know I don't. I'm not sure precisely, like it's always a mystery how to precisely measure, you know, how, the transactions and where they're coming from. Um, uh, frankly, I think, you know, even though like, I think uh, what they do at uh, noise.cash, read.cash is like the number one most important thing happening uh, in Bitcoin Cash right now. Uh, super appreciate them, but I think it's a tragedy that he started batching the transactions um, because, you know, like that, that was doing something, uh, so important for the whole ecosystem. And, um, now I think that we are challenged to figure out ways to generate more transactions, um, you know, to, to get other sources, you know, like, okay, we have noise.cash and read.cash. We need 10 more things like that, you know, and I don't mean just like 10 other social media sites. I mean, 10 other things that can generate that kind of of level of transactions and I don't mean like you know fake weather data and stuff but I mean like real real use you know um, I think that that's really where the ecosystem should be looking right now is how how can we be developing like 10 other things like that right now you know yeah for sure I mean crypto is always long suffered from the fact that probably 90% or 95% even of people involved or money involved is trying to get rich money uh, and perhaps there's some sort of trend that as more and more of those people are introduced there's more possibilities for legitimate commerce because people on both sides of the trade want crypto and they want to hold crypto so that's kind of been how it's grown with the actual utility being very low except perhaps in some sort of drug-based uh, use cases right which is kind of bubbling along under under the surface but I think maybe, you know, my hope is as that things get really uh, mainstream, as it's sort of starting to kind of break through a little bit, I would say uh, that you have more and more people who just, even if they've only got a little bit of crypto or they have a bit, you know, to try and get rich, then if you say to them, hey, you know, can I pay back for this beer? And you just say, you know, can I give you some BCA? They'll say, yep, you know, and I think, I think we'll be starting to see that probably in the next, 12 months let's say so I'm, I'm i'm optimistic we can get the get the transactions going again and then the other stat i always check in on is the usd cent per day so bch surged up and it was actually uh you know flipped over to the btc there for a little bit and then it's dropped off a bit but it's still been doing pretty good still been doing you know 15 to 20 billion a day and uh, btc has surged up again probably in light of this market volatility uh, and all of what's been going on with different people's, uh, you know, impact on social media and sort of uh, making uh, comments and staring up the, the market. But of course, the BDC uh, USD cent can't keep going up forever because the main levers on that is not the actual utility, it's the fee costs and also the... Um, the price right so if the price goes up a lot then they end up getting a lot more cent and then if the price goes down well it all drops off because it was all speculation to begin with uh and i guess in 
So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, again, like, do, do you put much credence in this or do you just see it as sort of like, well, some people could be sending around some money, but there's change outputs and whatever. And, you know, it's not the number one growth metric necessarily. Well, I, we don't have, you know, due to the nature of blockchain being pseudonymous and, you know, like you can't trace uh, transactions in this you know, like with PayPal, you know, you, they PayPal can see who's paying whom and how much, right? And also the countries involved. But you can't see that kind of data uh, on a blockchain. So th I think this is a key indicator. Um, you know, it's we're kind of groping in the dark, and this is, you know, one tool to do that. And, you know, we absolutely need to have real transactions on chain. Um, and, you know, I think one of the, you know, we need to flip in BTC here. We totally can do it, you know, because we can, we ha we can process so much more throughput. And I think one of the key targets, uh, is remittances because, uh, remittances is a $700 billion per year industry. Um, and fees globally are seven to 8%. So we can compete with that. And in some some cases, places like Cuba, Sub-Saharan Africa, some Pacific Islands, Venezuela, fees can be way higher than eight percent. You know, so we can actually be competitive there, and then we can we can connect the remittances with uh, merchants, right? And so we can get that that economic uh, circle going. And you know, if we have just a small piece of um, the remittances remittance flows on chain. That's going to make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's important to have that mindset of a, a complete economy, right? That uh, people come into cryptos. Uh, you know, some people definitely who uh, listen to this podcast for the first time, you know, and they understand that again, it's sort of this online casino, and everyone's making a lot of money, so they may be interested. And it, it's sort of like oh, I can get into crypto and then the it's like when can I sell it you know can I buy it at a certain point and sell it at a certain point and that's good because at least it's getting people interested but really the key switch to make is when you stop thinking about how do I use this to make money to how how does this become money or how you know how is this my money and that you just think well I'm not trying to sell it I'm trying to spend it in some ways spending a currency is is selling it after a after a fashion, but that even just that subtle distinction uh, escapes people, I think, for for quite a long, uh, quite a long time. And I'll I'll talk about some uh, some examples of that to a bit later in this episode. So, the news from this week, the least dramatic news of the week by far, was the Bitcoin Cash Network upgrade on May the fifteenth, where there was two uh, key changes made. So one was the unconfirmed transaction limit. Uh, previously, if you wanted to spend a transaction, which then somebody else spent another transaction following on from that and so on and so forth, all in a single block, then there was a limit of 50 and that was taken off, which is uh, helpful for app developers, such as like uh, noise.cash that we were talking about where people might be sending around money quite frequently. Uh, and somebody did actually mine a block with a 4,642 chained transaction in it. So it proved uh, pretty conclusively that it, that it worked and it wasn't uh, a problem. And the other thing that has been added or allowed now is multiple op return outputs. So I'm not an expert on this, but I believe that's good for the SLP 
tokens that you can trade on top of uh, Bitcoin Cash. And for me, really, the takeaway was that it was just super smooth. Like uh, decentralized networks don't always have the easiest time upgrading if there's disturbances in the dev community or any other, uh, you know, back and forth. So I, I got to just congratulate the node devs and the ecosystem on, on cooperating really nicely on this one. The, those 4,642 change transactions is absolutely, that's like, that's kind of mind blowing um, because the uh, former, you know, ABC team was convinced, absolutely convinced that getting above about 250 or 500 chain transactions was going to cause some kind of major problem. So, and there was a lot of back and forth, even, um, you know, between November and, you know, in the couple months after November about, you know, like where should the limit be set? You know, where was it safe to be set at? Because, you know, another reference point was Bitcoin Unlimited and uh, they had, have or had, probably had a, a limit, a firm limit, mm -hmm. you know, um, it was pretty large. It might have been like 2,000 or 2,500. So to see that, you know, they 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 removed the limit completely, which felt felt a little aggressive, you know, based on what the information that I had seen. Uh, and then to have this large of a number, that's pretty amazing. That That's really encouraging. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see. I mean, in some ways, really, the history of Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash is the limits that people think there are until until it's proven that there's not right like even when we saw recently with bitcoin cash uh doing more transactions per day than uh btc and without the fees going up to me that was never in question but to a lot of people they sort of thought yeah but it hasn't really been done yet and maybe you know the other side of the argument is kind of right or maybe the fees are just low because there's no traffic and whatever so really it's it's just one of those things where the, the way to make people believe is is to just show it to them right like people can't deny the evidence once once they see it uh, working so it's very easy beforehand to have a lot of concern and doubts about things and people should be cautious in how we're managing a, a network or something that's relied upon to the scale that it is so much but on the other hand you sort of uh, you don't know your limits until until you're at them kind of thing so uh, yeah, I agree with you. It was uh, really great to see that uh, that that turned out to be not not a problem. So here we go. So this is the the big sort of story that started this huge meltdown this week has been over the last uh, three or four days. It started with Elon Musk, uh, the crypto hero slash villain of the last couple of months, uh, and he posted on Twitter as he's wont to do. To announce that Tesla is going to stop accepting BTC Bitcoin, which they had previously purchased and said they were uh, accepting. So I'm just going to read his statement here uh, for anybody who missed it. So he said, Tesla has suspended vehicle purchases using Bitcoin. We are concerned about rapidly increasing use of fossil fuels for Bitcoin mining and transactions, especially coal, which has the worst emissions of any fuel. Cryptocurrency is a good idea on many levels, and we believe it has a promising future, but this cannot come at great cost to the environment. Tesla will not be selling any Bitcoin, and we intend to use it for transactions as soon as mining transitions to more sustainable energy. We are also looking at other cryptocurrencies that use less than 1% of Bitcoin's energy per 
transaction. So this obviously uh, plummeted the price as everybody thought Elon's giving up. And honestly, from my take was that the whole environmental angle is a complete uh, excuse. It's a complete non sequitur. I mean, he is the CEO of one of the largest, most innovative energy-based companies in the world. And it's obviously unfeasible that he would invest 1.5 billion in Bitcoin and not understand that Bitcoin mining burns energy. So in that respect, I feel like this had to just be a bit of an excuse for him to back out of his Bitcoin investments. We've already seen that he's already sold some Bitcoin to prove liquidity in his words, which I found a little suspect because it's not like that was ever in doubt that he could sell Bitcoin and have someone buy it. You know, there is a trillion dollar market uh, for this kind of stuff. And uh, what what this really did uh, was then caused a lot of havoc in the BTC community of people saying, Elon, you're selling out. Obviously, the Dogecoin community were suddenly uh, hyped up that they were going to be the next chosen child and uh, Elon was going to dump Bitcoin to go with them. Uh, but to, you know, my take was just as simple as they, he was using uh, BTC, accepting it at Tesla. It was a nightmare, right? Uh, with people trying to get refunds and the network not working and the, you know, the price uh, volatility or with fees not being paid correctly or whatever. And that maybe he hadn't read up as much on all of this scaling and everything as, as you might have guessed or I might have expected. And uh, he just sort of bought into the hype of the people close to him, like even being a smart guy like he is, you know, nobody's immune to that sort of peer pressure or anything. And, you know, when, when the rubber met the road, he sort of discovered he was wrong and started looking for uh, a bit of an out. But that, that's my take. What did you uh, see of this initial <laughs> news? I, I, I can't really figure it out either. He has like tremendously embarrassed himself uh, and is like a lot, not nearly as smart as I thought he was. Or he's got some kind of, you know, some kind of play going on. Uh, I don't know. Is it? But it, the fact, you know, that in the beginning, that he doesn't like the fact that he's focused on VTC and Doge. Like to me, right there, seems to support the case that he's just not as smart as we all thought he was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why? Why go out into public? Why commit treasury funds? Why make all this noise without properly doing your research first? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, well, I think definitely I've said in uh, previous uh, episodes, I've, I've done a little bit of my own conjecture that, you know, there was a while where he had the fork in the road in his uh, Twitter picture, sort of as he was kind of talking to Kim.com on Twitter a little bit about Bitcoin Cash. And there's, they have on the Tesla support page for Bitcoin, which is now gone, uh, they had this very interesting saga where they had some mention of Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV, which was then taken off and then put back, but then it was changed. So to say, look, the name of Bitcoin can change and this is how Bitcoin forks work and everything like that. And it's, you know, it's pretty close to impossible to know to what extent was he meddling around with that or was it, was there some politics internally at Tesla? that different people were, were trying to <laughs> get the description changed or whatever, like there's there's no way to know uh, really. But I, I still think he's gonna, 
is going to move to Bitcoin Cash at some point because it's just the only one that's really feasible or it's doing what should appeal to him, which is cryptocurrency for the whole world, uh, you know, which would be kind of up his alley. And even in this uh, statement, I mean, it still says cryptocurrency is a good idea. Like he went to great pains to not say crypto can't work. And it was also very interesting that they said, well, we're not selling any Bitcoin and we intend to use it for transactions, but it's not like there's any grand plan in the Bitcoin community to be suddenly 100x more energy efficient either. So, guys. Yeah, that, that's just such a foolish thing to say, actually, that we intend to use it for transactions as soon as mining transitions to more sustainable energy, right? So what are you, you going to hold it for like five years? Because, I mean, that's Bitcoin, you know, the SHA-256 space is not going to move that fast. You know, it's not like tomorrow they're all going to buy Tesla batteries and mine off of those, you know? Yeah, yeah, it just, <laughs> just doesn't make a lot of sense. So then this is actually reveals a lot of the risk with the whole BTC, the whole BTC thing. You know, when they moved away from P2P cash, they moved towards institutions and big name influencers. Right. The whole celebrity thing. This is part of the risk. You you this is the thing I've been saying forever. Like you you try to get this big corporation or this big celebrity or the government or whatever on board. And uh, it could take you a long time to wine and dine them over to your point of view. And then like that, you could lose them. You could lose them because whatever. It's very complex. There are many levels to these things, you know. Whereas if you focus on uh, onboarding many, many huge numbers of people, uh, merchants, uh, you know, just regular people, just instead of trying to play all these games, just onboard real customers, real users, you know, then that's more sustainable because even if you have a churn of like 10 or 20% per year, it's not going to generate negative publicity. It's not going to crash the market. You know, that's, that's fairly normal, you know? Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's definitely just more resilient. You know, I think people undervalue, uh, yeah, like maybe Elon in the short term, he can buy and he can buy a lot. And then he can also hype the price, but yeah, like you're saying, it just it just has a critical weakness, which is that it's all just riding on his, uh, you know, whims. And then even more on top of that, if he is big in the scene, then the community focuses on that too. So it's not even necessarily what he specifically is tweeting so much as then a huge like mind share of all of the BDC supporters instead of being focused on improving the currency or the community in other ways they're all preoccupied with being glued to his twitter feed so in that way it has sort yeah. of an exponential uh, impact on <laughs> on their own ability to make uh, forward progress and and like you say it's it's very uh, very flighty at best and so then then yeah. The, yeah we sort of saw a bit of that where elon then made these tweets about Ideally, Doge speeds up block time 10x, increases block size 10x, and drops fee 100x. Then it wins hands down. For those bad at maths, 100x trans- higher transaction volume with 100x lower fees means total fees earned stay the same. Low fees and high volume are needed to become currency of Earth. So this is basically the gospel of BCH that he's preaching here. But for whatever reason, he's either deliberately or not, he's kind of misnomered as uh, Dogecoin is going to be the way that it's... And it is true to his personality, you know, that he likes uh, Dogecoin. He thinks it's kind of funny. And he went on Saturday Night Live as well. And he 
you know, that caused a huge sell-off because everybody sort of bought the rumors, sold the news and, and all of this. But it's just hard to tell whether, obviously, the right ideas are going around in his head. It's just very hard to ascertain fact from fiction in, like, is, is he just new to the crypto scene? And everybody kind of goes through this phase, right, where they learn about Bitcoin, they get excited, then they find another coin, they like that, then they realize, wait, there's some problems here. You know, and at the end of the day, in my mind, over the long run, they sort of filter down into Bitcoin Cash and maybe Ethereum has the highest, you know, number of uh, long-time veterans, uh, you know, because of the characteristics of those coins. Uh, is this just, uh, you know, 45 million people watching the live tweets of somebody learning about crypto? Or is it sort of this long play where Elon might have been buying a bit and then selling a bit behind the scene? Maybe he's, you know, putting another couple billion in the bank because uh, he knows that he can move the price. What, mm. what, do you, what, do you, what do you think about this Doge being the scaling coin type of uh, narrative? I think it's real cute, but it's kind of dumb um, <laughs> because, I mean, Doge is, is, has been a dead coin for a while. I mean, you know, like maybe they're going to bring in, maybe they are rejuvenated with some new funds, and, but like they're just going to end up trying to rebuild what we already have here at Bitcoin Cash, which is a lot of committed, passionate developers, uh, you know, business and software developers who, who get it, you know? Like you can't just like among among the the most precious assets are uh, time, intelligence, but then also passion, right? And so people who are both both have the time and are intelligent, as well as have the passion for this, you know, uh, they're very few, right? So you can't just take any old coin. And be like, oh, let's pour some money into this, and surely it will attract, you know, the top-level developers that we really need. Uh, it doesn't work like that. There's a reason that Bitcoin Cash has accumulated the people, the, the the community that it has, and you can't buy that. And that's why you need to onboard to it. That's why Elon needs to onboard to Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, I agree. I think people don't often understand that a lot of people might think like you're saying that, okay, Elon is the richest guy in the world, but even with all his money, you still probably can't buy up any crappy coin and turn it into the future of the world. You just can't do it. Even if it's him and all his employees and whatever, it's still too small versus the, the rest of the world, right? And the amount of, you know, devs and, and like building a community the Bitcoin Cash community is bigger than Tesla. Like Tesla is probably a force, but firstly, they're busy enough making Tesla. <laughs> they don't have all day to fight this battle where the Bitcoin Cash community does. That's why they're the Bitcoin Cash community. Uh, and then also, it's just there's it's just too many. It's just strength in numbers, right? So any uh, coin is, as we've seen, you know, can get hyped up or or down. But the the fundamentals play out over the long term. So. Elon's kind of got the right idea, but it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's just, just hard to tell. So then he kind of went a step further and, uh, this guy, Mr. Whale made these tweets. Bitcoiners are going to slap themselves next quarter when they find out Tesla dumped the rest of their Bitcoin holdings with the amount of hate Elon Musk is getting. I wouldn't blame him. And he replied indeed. So he didn't say I've sold it all, but it was kind of a bit of a hint in that direction. He later clarified that he had not sold any of his uh, 
Bitcoin, but he was definitely stirring the waters. And I have also in the screenshot here at the bottom, Spencer Schiff said, yeah, you don't deserve to have any Bitcoin. So a bit of a salty tweet at the bottom there. And uh, what, a, what a soap opera. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. And this is, uh, yeah, I guess it's what I was saying before that it just uh, syncs up so much mind share of the whole uh, you know, community. Uh, I have a previous video about Peter and Spencer Schiff, so viewers can uh, check that out. I'll, I'll put a link to that if they want. But uh, essentially, you know, being preoccupied with with, with all of this uh, little drama that is going on, you know, the price is crashing and everybody's wailing, you know, with their heads in their hands on on Twitter and and so forth. And and this is just kind of the stage that the crypto industry is at because with Bitcoin having taken over and Bitcoin Cash or other projects being sort of more out of the limelight, it has become this kind of online casino slash uh, soap opera, which is a quite a sad thing for the cryptocurrency movement that uh, that once was. So yeah, I don't know, maybe we can push it. We're trying to push it back in the right direction, obviously, but uh, it's it's just a, a reflection of reality that this, this kind of Twitter threads uh, needs to take up, you know, a good portion of this podcast because it's just what's in the zeitgeist. Yeah, I mean, we, we need to focus on fundamentals, you know, we need to keep up all of our uh, marketing, we need to, of course, increase it, you know, we need to keep up all the outreach that I see people doing, like on Twitter and whatnot, you know, uh, people like David Shares and B Cashy and others. Uh, that's so valuable. But we also need to just focus on the fundamentals and keep onboarding new people to Bitcoin Cash, you know. Um, there isn't really that much to be done at the protocol level right now, maybe group group tokenization and uh, prediction markets, but mainly we need to be onboarding people, you know, merchants, users, uh, remittance senders, uh, software developers, business developers. That's what we need to focus on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to wrap up this whole uh, saga of uh, Elon tweets, I really don't want to spend more time on this than we already have. But uh, he then finally got to this point of considering making his own coin where he said, uh, somebody said, why not just make a crypto from scratch that does everything you want technically and has a lot of dev support and doesn't have high concentration of ownership. Uh, and he said, only if Doge can't do it, big pain in the neck to create another one. So he knows that Starting all this stuff up from scratch is not really feasible, even for him. Uh, but yeah, you can't you can't buy a community, you can't buy a lot of dev support out of nowhere. That just takes time and organic effort. So the most logical thing is definitely for him if he wants to go with the big block scale and plan to all of humanity. Bitcoin Cash is is really the only game with the the you know legs to back it up at the moment. So, you know, that's why I think eventually at some point it's going to click to him and, and we'll see him on board. But I guess it's really a question of uh, how long that takes or how many other cryptos get pumped and dumped in the meantime, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've worked on, uh, you know, I created content for Steam when that first came out. I worked on Dash. I've looked very carefully at the whole market for a long time. I just don't see anything else, mm. you know, that that's, you know, other than Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually, because I saw you, uh, one of your old videos where you were talking about uh, Dash and being involved in that community. What what was it there that 
sort of put you off that or what were the key factors that that led you into bitcoin cash uh well the number one problem with dash is that they uh have they're very centralized they have a dash core group which gets uh 60 to 80 percent of the uh, treasury funding every month and which basically is um it's a big bottleneck for anything that wants to get done it's a delaware c corporation it's been you know it has like overpaid c-level executives who don't really do anything um and so like dash's uh signature project was supposed to be something called evolution uh it's probably like five years behind schedule at this point um the coin has fallen from, you know, used to be in the top 10 to I'm pretty sure it's out of the top 50 by now, you know. So it's just that there's a centralized force that's sitting there and it's soaking up all the funding. And it's not it's actually a, a, an obstacle to continued progress. So um, I gave them a try uh, mainly because they had a funding process and I couldn't see a funding process for Bitcoin Cash at the time. Um, but I, you know, once, uh, I realized that there was no forward progress possible there, I said, well, I've known, you know, Roger Ver for quite a long time. So, you know, he, he and I are aligned in, in terms of like voluntarism, uh, you know, politically, philosophically. Um, and so let's, you know, let's see, let's give Bitcoin cash a try. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I, back in the day, like definitely 2014, 2015, I was bought some dash and I was into that community as well for a while too because it has still that same sort of payments type philosophy. But yeah, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, I was always a bit suspect about that whole master nodes and dash foundation. And I think those kind of things, it's a very, uh, it's a very quick wins type of thing. Like if you set that up in your coin, maybe in the short term, it gets everyone hyped, it gets everyone on a vision, everyone's excited, money flows into a couple of big projects, things are all great. But uh, just like with any centralized system, over time that you know it gets kind of captured by political interests of whoever's involved and you know whatever <laughs> whatever sort of goes on behind the scenes so yeah that did kind of fall off the radar for me uh me too in sort of a similar way so i just want to quickly make a, a quick point here about uh i follow this uh channel this guy Stephen mark ryan who uh does a lot of videos about tesla and recently he's had more and more about uh bitcoin recently with um, with Elon uh, getting involved in everything. So I just made a, a bit of a, a prediction for him because he was saying, hey, you know, he says, why would anybody bet against Tesla stock? Like it's going to the moon. There's no, nothing that can possibly, you know, beat it out over time. Well, I guess I'm putting words in his mouth here, but he's basically very bullish on Tesla. So I made a, a quick uh, tweet to him that I, I think BCH uh, will, will beat out Tesla over the next uh, five years. So the, you know, at the time of this tweet, Tesla was $576, BCH uh, $1,108. So it was 0.52 Tesla stock uh, per, per BCH. And uh, we'll check back in on this in, in five years, but I just had to, had to drop this in there uh, so I can link back to it. You know, Previously, five years ago, my problem in Bitcoin was I predicted to everybody that it would go to the moon, all my mates and stuff like that. I didn't get any of it on camera. 
And so this this time around, I'm I'm making sure there's uh, there's proof to to link back to. I, I don't know if you <laughs> had that uh, issue of people you know you've told and then they change their story. I never said that it wouldn't do, and you say yeah, it did yes. right all the time. Yeah, wow. but anybody who bets against Michael Burry, I would think that through a few times. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was saying like well, you know it's a, a bit of a clash of the clash of the titans, right? So Michael Burry of uh, yeah. the big the big short. Uh, fame who uh, with Scion Capital he made huge amounts of money in the real estate market in 2008 predicting the the banking uh, crash and the subprime crisis and <laughs> so yeah he's he's now gone in with uh, 500 million in shorts uh, on Tesla and he's in the money right now uh, Tesla is down so he's winning so far if he who knows uh, we, we're not going to find out exactly or maybe we will um, but he's been taken off Twitter actually himself for the SEC were a bit worried about him sort of his doom and gloom about hyperinflation uh, spooking hmm. the market. So funny that. Uh, <laughs> all right. So moving on, then we just had the latest episode in this saga right before the, the big price melt. There was already the price was already melting down, but the biggest meltdown came sort of, I don't know whether it was in response or whether it was just coincidental, but I've got here crypto meme of the decade. We're only one year into the into the new decade, and I'm already prepared to just say this is going to win it. Nobody is going to top this in the next decade mm. in terms of <laughs> crypto memes with this guy Anthony. I think it's Anthony, it might be Andrew, but I think it's Anthony Pompliano, who is a huge uh, Bitcoin BTC believer, and he's sort of involved in I don't know some big financial groups or something like that. He announced, unbelievably, because I had to double check that this was not an April Fool's joke, like about four times, <laughs> but he announced that he was launching a new website called eatbitcoinpizza.com and that you could go on there and you could order a pizza at these 10 you know, uh, parts of America and they would make a pizza and they would send it to you in this box, which is branded with Bitcoin and it's all like... Bitcoin everything and the idea was that then some percentage of the money that you spend as well would go to funding Bitcoin development with this new uh, trust kind of thing that they created which again kind of it's like the Dash Foundation it's like well who's got their fingers in the pockets there who's in charge of that money you know what's going on but he made this and it sort of it sort of rings true a little bit somehow to the story of, of Bitcoin that the first ever Bitcoin transaction was 10,000 Bitcoin for two pizzas in 2010, I guess. Uh, so this would be, you know, we're coming up to the 11th anniversary. So there's this famous Bitcoin pizza day of the, the first transaction ever made. And so when I saw this, I thought, okay, well, but they're going to have a lot of problems. Like it's going to be very inefficient for them to buy pizzas paying $5 or $10 or $15 in fees on top of the on top of the pizza. So I thought this is already a bit of a mm -hmm. stupid idea, but at least they're kind of trying. And then I looked in the comments and they're not, they don't accept Bitcoin. They don't accept any cryptocurrency. There's no attempt to even accept Lightning Network or to even dress it up a little bit. Uh, and this guy, <laughs> you know, Pompliano, he was then later on on Twitter, sort of obviously everybody was like, this is the biggest joke of all time, you are celebrating the first Bitcoin transaction, which was revolutionary because it was Bitcoin paying for our real goods and services. And you're now offering that good and service 
and you can't pay for it in Bitcoin, you know. There was, I just, I could not believe that this was real. If you thought like, if you and I, who are huge, you know, Bitcoin cash believers sat here for a month and tried to think of the biggest joke that we could make out of Bitcoin, I don't think we could, we could do any better than this really, you know. Yeah, it just, it blows me away. And then they respond saying, no, why would we want to accept your Bitcoin? You know, we want you to spend your dollars instead, you know, because they're depreciating. It's just so, so cynical. Like if he valued uh, his BTC coin, he would accept it one way or another, you know, because he would value it more highly than U.S. dollars, you know, but clearly he doesn't this is just uh this is just some gig for him some um you know some shtick uh that he's doing with bitcoin uh he's not he doesn't get bitcoin clearly yeah and it's just this crazy scenario where the bitcoin bdc has just become this sort of marketing tool of the, the brand name it is literally just 100 percent the brand name and this illustrated it perfectly that there will still be a lot of people that will buy these pizzas and think, yeah, go Bitcoin. And they'll have their Bitcoin that they bought on Robinhood and that they've never sent to anybody and they don't know anything about it except that sometimes the price goes up and they can say some words like decentralization and lightning network if anybody ever asks them. And that's all they know, but they, they're not, they don't understand like that it should be money or they have this like a narrative that, yeah, the price is going to go up. Therefore I should always have more of it. And that is true. But if you create it so that you can't send it, you know, in every transaction, somebody is selling and somebody is buying. So if everybody is literally just sitting on it forever, that's literally just beanie babies because there's no point to it. And eventually it, <laughs> it stops being uh, tradable. And in fact, the network is getting less tradable, less uh, feasible to trade all the time. So, this was just absolutely insane, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the more that they, you know, throttle the network, the more uh, fragile it's going to get, you know. And there's going to be some, you know, event that causes, like the what happened with the the miners, the miners going offline mm -hmm. maybe a month or so ago, you know. There's going to be something like that, and it's going to put the whole network, and uh, you know, in danger. Yeah. And it's really, it's like uh, stress fractures when I was thinking about the stress fractures in a, in a building. If you do your engineering, your architecture poorly, well, there might be a bit of weather and things and nobody might really notice, but those stress fractures are just building up and building up and building up. And then you say like just one little, one little earthquake here or there that you weren't expecting and suddenly the whole thing just, and that's, uh, that's basically what's going on in, in Bitcoin BDC. And when I saw this, I thought this, this is the top. I just felt like this is where the bubble pops. This is where it's so ridiculous now that anybody who is not involved in this little insane uh, cult or circle jerk can just see like, and uh, people were already writing articles, you know, on mainstream websites, like that launching a new Bitcoin pizza thing. And you guess what? You can't pay in Bitcoin, you know, and it's just, so ludicrous on the on the face of it right and so then we also had this sort of similarly this guy michael saylor who's who's big in the bitcoin community and he had this uh little clip here which i'm just gonna which one's the best crypto asset well bitcoin's the best, best crypto asset okay what's the second best there is no second best 
There's no second best crypto asset. There's a crypto asset. It's called Bitcoin, right? Right. There's no second best. Okay. It's not. It's not like Google and Facebook. It's not like Apple and Amazon. Yeah. We we can debate Apple or Amazon. What's better? They both look like tech monopolies to me. They both look pretty good. On the other end, Bitcoin or no, Bitcoin. Bitcoin's crypto asset. This entire idea of like 60% dominance is bullshit, ridiculous, stupid, right? Like it's stupid. It's not 60% dominant. It's like 96% or 95% dominant, right? The thing, if you compare it as a crypto asset to a like kind of proof of work crypto network, right? That's meant to be a store of value. You know, you're lucky if you find, if you can scrape together 5% of other stuff in the last bucket. So there is no real competitor. Yeah, what he's saying there is just, uh, he's doing everything he can not to say the word Bitcoin Cash, basically, where he <laughs> says like, firstly, I mean, he just sounds so like manic and desperate and they he's changed, instead of saying cryptocurrency, it's now a crypto asset, right? It's now like, well, we've got to take that currency bit out of it because as we saw with the pieces, it's it's not happening, and so he just really wants to. He just, uh, he just firstly he redefines the relevant metric as only being proof of work coins, right? Which is literally just moving the goalposts because the crypto market's always been judged by the total dominance. It doesn't matter whether they're proof of work or not. If another coin's market cap is going up, people are putting money into it. Well, that's clearly where the where the trend is. So I've been following the sort of decline of that and. Uh, you know, I mean, he can move the goalposts in his own mind, but that doesn't change the fact that Ethereum's been swallowing up a lot of a lot of market share from uh, Bitcoin. And even when he does get it down to just proof of work coins, Bitcoin Cash, the dominance there is not so much of a factor because if you only define it by hash rate, that's fine. But the hash rate has very little loyalty and it can change on a dime if the price changes or yeah, if there's some big catastrophic uh, event and he, he's obviously worried because he literally tries to say bitcoin or and he won't even <laughs> finish the sentence right he can't <laughs> give us free advertising because he knows it's a, a problem and he's had a previous video uh, as well where somebody he has mentioned bitcoin cash by name and he's sort of talking about ah but it doesn't have the trillions of dollars of monetary network and all that but then he says yeah but if it if it did, then I would probably throw in the towel and switch. Like he's already, he, he knows it's more and more on his mind, obviously, because when he first came out to telling everyone about Bitcoin, none of this ever got mentioned, but now it keeps, uh, keeps cropping up, you know? Yeah, we just need to flip this. <laughs> um, we just really need to, to flip BTC because, you know, everything else, it's just hot air, just like what you know Michael Saylor is going on about here. It's just hot air. It's just bluster, you know. Uh, we just need to to flip them, and we need to do it uh, ASAP. Yeah. Because um, already we've lost like but three and a half years, and that's that's not that's not good, you know. It's like we don't. We, time is a factor, mm. you know. Like we don't we. We can't like say, well, it's going to take us 20 years, you know, no, it's not going it, to, it's either we're going to do it like as soon as possible or it's probably not going to happen, you know? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would say, I think on 
you know, over time, the problems with, with BDC build up and eventually, you know, it'll turn into a big issue for them. And at the same time, you know, Bitcoin Cash, as long as it's working on itself, again, it can grow stronger over time. So I don't see it as, you know, it's not like sooner is definitely better. You are, you are, I do agree with you on that. So, I mean, that, yeah, but like, so we have to be careful not to be reactive, right? Mm. So people say, no, BTC will implode. We just got to wait around. You know, that just keep doing our thing and, you know, we'll just wait. You know, that sounds like the same people who for literally for decades have been saying, no, the government's going to collapse all on its own. Mm. You know, we don't we don't really have to worry about building a more libertarian society because it'll fall apart on its own. And then people will just choose us. Yeah, you know? it's it's exactly the same thing. And you know what? Nothing works like that. Yeah. The future is built by those who go out there and grab it by the neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and that's what we have to do. Um, you know, I, I did a, uh, an interview with um, uh, Peter, Peter Ng of the SLP Foundation, uh, also has, has, does a lot of uh, crypto business in Asia. And um, it's called a sense of urgency for Bitcoin Cash. And I, I think he's dead on there, you know. We need to have a sense of urgency. We don't have enough of a sense of urgency, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I put forward this project, uh, 1M, uh, a couple months ago, and basically everybody was just kind of, oh, you know, there wasn't much of a reaction. We have to be careful not to fall into reactive patterns and not to become too, too attuned to the BTC soap opera. Mm -hmm. We need to build our own thing, and we need to do it with, with passion every day. Otherwise, it's not going to happen for us. We're going to be also rants. Yeah, no, can't, can't argue with that. Right? Absolutely, you know that's that's definitely true. I mean, a sense of urgency and yeah, sort of forging our own path. Uh, you're definitely right about that. All right, so away from all that Twitter drama, then we had uh, one thing uh, that happened this week, which I thought might be an interesting uh, little side story for the listeners. Was this? new coin was launched called internet computer and it was noteworthy to me because it launched with a price of four hundred dollars a coin and immediately was number eight on coin market cap and back in the day you could do that with any garbage but nowadays the top 10 i mean you know so people can have their own opinion but the top 10 they're, they're still you know they've got big communities they've got a rep you know if you just launch a garbage coin like you got to start out at a number 100 these days but somehow this coin came out straight into the top 10 and if you can get into the top 10 it doesn't even really matter so much what your merits are some other people are going to see that and start buying and so it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy but so i had a bit of a look at it and they had they had this story which was bitcoin was sort of generation one crypto and then ethereum was generation two and we're generation three that's a big claim uh mm. to sort of put it like that and so they were talking about the blockchain sing singularity in crypto economics and web speed and all this kind of like they were going to do the whole internet on a blockchain and it, i mean it just it did seem to me a bit like the next greatest version of this is you know hype today and gone tomorrow uh, so they were $400. They're now over the last week, they're now down to 125 and they're sort of rapidly falling out of the, you know, the market cap, uh, kind of rankings. But I, I don't know if you saw this or you thought it was any different or, or even just a comment to the listeners who haven't been around since 2011 to see 
a million and one variations of this. Uh, how, how do you, how, how do people become immune to this kind of hyped? I, I thought it was some kind of joke coin, really. I mean, to, to call the coin internet computer. <laughs> I mean, I thought there was some kind of like illiterate, you know, uh, like our, our, our English is not our first language joke coin, you know, from Asia or something. <laughs> internet computer, really? Yeah. I mean, they couldn't come up with a better name. But uh, yeah, as soon as I saw it, like anything, like it's imp- I think it's important to recognize that really the technology across all these different blockchains is really not that different, mm-hmm. you know? Like you see Cardano talking about, oh, we're going to enable, uh, you know, tokens and, uh, you know, minor validated tokens or, you know, well, that's that's the group tokenization proposal on Bitcoin Cash, you know? We can implement that tomorrow if the ecosystem wants to. That's not that hard. That's not that big of a deal. Um, what really matters is what is the mission behind the coin? You know, what 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 does it aim to do? And I'm not just talking about use cases, you know, because I remember there was a coin in 2017 where like um, power or something, you know, like we're going to be the ledger that keeps track of like all this uh uh energy you know you you produce energy in your home and it goes out to the grid and then the grid sends in energy we're going to track all that you know everybody was psyched about that i i never saw the point of it i never bought into it i don't even know where it is anymore i doubt it's in the top 100 but it was a big deal in 2017 mm-hmm. but all that is is taking the taking blockchain technology and applying it to a specific use case but you don't need to have your own chain for that in fact that's actually counterproductive because you get more security, more resiliency, lower fees, uh, all that stuff out of building on top of one chain. And so in this sense, like when the BTC guys are like, you know, oh, just Bitcoin and there's nothing else, you know, I, I can kind of a little bit like if they had their game together, their fundamentals together, I could I could probably mostly agree with that, you know. Because we don't need to have 7,000 blockchains. We don't need to have one blockchain for toys and one blockchain for coffee and one block, you know, like that's, this is, that's like uh, 2001, you know, dot com bubble nonsense, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, like, really, you need to look at, at the bottom, at the end of the day, what's the network effect around this, you know? Who, who, it all comes back to who. Who are the people involved? Who are the developers involved, you know? What's their background? You know, who have they partnered with? Um, you know, what do they have going on? What do they say they're going to do? Do they actually have concrete evidence or are they just throwing around all these buzzwords? You know, is it just a pretty sounding white paper that looks like a corporate annual report? Or do they have like real use, you know, real people producing uh, media about this, you know, mm. um, you know, and, and real like apps and dApps and things, you know, uh, and if if it's just another thing that's making a lot of promises without real evidence or product, at this stage, you know, eleven years into this thing, like set it aside. It's not going to make a big difference, you know. It's I, as soon as this launched, I figured out what it was. I immediately knew it was gonna. I mean, it'll be out of the top ten soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fascinating. Uh... Yeah, and I, I agree with you like that. That's really just what it is. But in a sea of, you know, if you're a new investor and you come and you just look at the top 10, how are you going to know? How are you going to know that Bitcoin Cash is the one, right? 
I guess with Bitcoin, you could say it's the biggest Ethereum, maybe it's the second biggest and you've made this hype about it. You know, so how do you, <laughs> how do you, how do you figure out that Bitcoin Cash is the number one? And, and to me, it sort of comes down to, yeah, people using it, uh, it around you, you know, like you were saying and uh, getting it really adopted. So one thing I've been thinking about is that I feel like even as the crypto market has exploded and it's become much more uh, mainstream in people's recognition or their, even their willingness to consider it, people won't just laugh at it like they would, you know, five years ago or probably five years ago, maybe six years ago, they would just ignore it. And then a couple of years after that, they would, okay, maybe laugh at it or sideline it. Now it's, it's, you know, people will at least take a moment to pause if you're talking about this and maybe they're not interested in getting involved yet, but they can't deny that it's been kicking off for a long time. And so recently in, in London, where I am, there's this company called Luno and they've made these ads which say things like, if it's time, if, if you're seeing Bitcoin on a bus, it's time to buy or like you can easily buy Bitcoin and it just says buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. And these ads are everywhere. I've seen them all over the place. But the even with Bitcoin breaking all time highs and stuff like that, I just saw this uh, poster of the ad. And then next to it, there was just two people sitting there and they were just going about their day, right? Because even though Bitcoin has got to this kind of uh, media, you know, saturation point where it's in people's face, they don't, they don't, they, it doesn't impact on them because they just go about their lives. Nobody is sitting there next to them saying, hey, just trade me some Bitcoin. Like that was their original vision a few years ago. And Bitcoin has obviously got sidetracked and is not going to do that. Uh, but really the whole market has by and large turned into speculating and hoping to get rich, like with Dogecoin or with this you know, internet computer, with Bitcoin itself, Ethereum, maybe they've got some more stuff going on, but it's kind of, you know, largely speculative still at this point. Binance coin, it's just trading, uh, you know, trading coins for other coins to try and make more, you know, more dollars, right? It's just this constant... Uh, merry-go-round and the idea of an actual financial revolution i feel like is it's probably lower in the consciousness than it ever has been with association to, to cryptocurrencies yeah i mean there needs to be real utility you know if people just like buy and hold like what is that that doesn't resonate with your average person you know who's involved in the business world, that does there's no business like that where you just like buy things and hold them. Like business is about commerce and, and exchanging things, you know, buying and selling. Um, so I think the next step is really to pay people, right? So the people can earn yeah. um, uh, Bitcoin Cash. And, you know, I think uh, Noise.Cash is kind of in the right, it's, it's in the right direction, right? Mm -hmm because it enables people to earn it. The problem with noise.cash is um, it's mostly developing world people who are, uh, honestly, they're not putting a lot of, of value into what they post. So, um, you know, if you, wanna, if you wanna launch a social network, you need to get some high quality content creators on board. Um, but I think that, um, you know, we can turn adoption itself into um, into a, a self-sustaining thing whereby people earn, you know, uh, little bits of Bitcoin cash to make it happen. Uh, you know, the basic like referral schemes, you know, where, you know, you install this app and then you get like your 
friend to install it, you know, and then you each get something uh, or, um, you know, people get paid to onboard merchants, people get paid to uh, onboard other people uh, to run an event, all these kinds of things. There needs to be lots of ways for people to earn Bitcoin Cash because the whole um, creator economy, uh, the freelance economy, the gig economy, um, all of that is on the upswing. So we need to have opportunities in those spaces. And also in the developing world, which is really where Bitcoin Cash is going to take root first, um, there are have been extremely limited opportunities uh, for uh, learning and earning and development and growth for, for, for forever, really. Um, and so when we can bring opportunities to those places, to those people, uh, with Bitcoin Cash, um, you know, without all all of the government nonsense and all of the you know border restrictions and all that, when we can bring them opportunities that transcend borders, that's really where Bitcoin Cash shines uh, because Bitcoin Cash crosses borders as if they didn't exist, which is not true for fiat. You know, we need to exploit uh, the low hanging fruit, which is you know the value generated from Bitcoin Cash crossing borders as if they didn't exist. And um, so that there are big opportunities there, you know, in, in enabling people to, to work for Bitcoin Cash, to make new connections across borders uh, and earn and change their lot, you know, to, to go beyond uh, the opportunities that they have available to them today. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, you know, this was kind of... Uh came into focus for me this week because with the pandemic restrictions uh, lowering in London, I was able to go to two different uh, cryptocurrency meetups this week for the first time in a long time. And so the first one was at uh, Green Park. And I got to say, I was kind of blown away. It was really not what I expected. Like there was 25 uh, or so people there, which was way more than I expected because I guess I'm still in the mindset of like, cryptocurrency being this tiny thing and especially with uh, meetups usually if you know 50 people say they're going you'd be lucky to get three right but uh, 50 mm -hmm. people said they were going to show up and 20 or 25 actually did so so that was a lot and and it was a it was a good diverse group of people you know there was um, people from different industries there was a good spread of ages there was a good sort of you know there was definitely more uh, guys and girls there but you know, there was there was a strong sort of female uh, representation as well. Uh, and it was just, a, you know, a really diverse, interesting crowd. And for the most part, one thing that I was also surprised about was it was a lot of very recent adopters. You know, I said I was uh, involved since 2013 and but pretty much everyone else there, there was a couple that had been in it for a couple of years, you know, maybe 2017, 2018, 2019. But most it was one year or less, even one week. And so they were very, very uh, new to it. And the, mostly the exposure had come in the form of these sort of like trading on Binance or on eToro or these kind of off-chain type uh, solutions. And that was their first steps into the, into the kind of scene. Uh, and so I sort of sent a few people, uh, you know, two, two pounds of Bitcoin cash and, and, and that sort of helped, I think with a few people kind of, uh, understanding or at least getting the idea. Okay. It's supposed to be a bit more tradable. It's, it's not just, uh, speculating, but 
that definitely, you know, I was still very encouraged to see that that much of a, a turnout for a crypto uh, meetup, and and definitely everybody had a great time, and I'm I'm sure there'll be more. So shout out to Will who uh, organized that and ran that, and the the link is on the on the slides here for anybody who's in London. Uh, you can find the group and maybe come along to the the next one, which will be on on this weekend uh, as well. And then the second one I went to was a Bitcoin Cash uh, meetup specifically. So that was about nine people, and that was kind of the exact opposite, where there was a lot of people there who were 2011 or, or 2012. It was a bit more sort of the the long term uh, crowd, and there was a couple of uh, people there who hadn't used Bitcoin Cash before, but I think they were getting the idea very fast because we did, we actually just, you could pay at the, at the it was at a wine bar, you could just pay for your drinks uh, in, in Bitcoin Cash. So once you've seen even one person, but once you've seen three people, scan the QR code, the little green tick shows up on your Bitcoin.com wallet and you get your, uh, your, your drink back in return, like that that's it. That's where it kind of clicks and it comes together that, it's really not that great of a jump that we could see the whole world trading in that way instead of swiping their their credit card, right? So, yeah, it was just very interesting to me to do these kind of uh, meetups and and what you see when you when you talk to people when you're there face to face is is completely different to what you might understand about cryptocurrency if you were uh, reading online, you know, where talk is cheap. Uh, and uh, it's all, you know, it's all Twitter hype and, uh, and so on and so forth, right? Mm. That's interesting, yeah. Uh, do you do a lot of uh, meetups in, in South America? Or, I mean, obviously, you're very embedded into it with your company and all the people that are working on, on Bitcoin Cash, but outside of that, in the, in the communities, are there sort of local meetups going on, and what, what's the vibe at that, or have you seen a change in that over the last, you know, little while? There used to be a pretty vibrant scene, and uh, we were a big part of that. Uh, we were, would do easily two to five uh, meetups per month uh, that were pretty well attended. They were mostly onboarding things rather than you know the kind of sit around and 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 shoot the shoot the you can swear, you know, dude. Yeah. Shoot, <laughs> shoot the shit, yeah. <laughs> shoot the shit, yeah. Um, there were also events um, that uh, you know were more crypto agnostic that I would go to, um, and that, that was a pretty vibrant scene for a while. But uh, like, I don't I don't know that there was really anybody at any of those events that was in crypto for longer than me. I think most people were you know from 2015, 2016, and and a lot of new people. A lot of people focused on, you know, just how to how to make money with it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I the speculation phase of this is is normal, I guess. It's to be expected. Kind of looking forward to it being like moving on a little bit, though. You know, I'm kind of tired of the speculation phase. Uh, really, I don't I don't mind so much. I mean, I am I am super because just seeing this, uh, you know, just we were just standing in this park you know in this uh, big circle of like 20 people and everybody introducing themselves or something and and it was just just great to see so many people actually interested because any one of those people is so close to just saying 
you know, if you said, if they, if you wanted to trade with them and you said, Hey, can I send you some crypto and you'll, you know, uh, write me an article or wh whatever it is that their career is, or, you know, build, build me a house or write me some computer software or whatever their thing was, the fact that they're already there in that park, that means the light bulb is switched on. Even if it's just the value is trading it on an exchange at the very least, they would be probably happy to trade with you and then sell it, you know, or move it around in their own way, whatever they had. Uh, going on so I think it's kind of a, a bit of a, a wave right like even if it's uh, you know 90% of those people are just in it for the speculation well 10% of them started to get the idea and then as that 90% moves out in the next wave uh, people so sort of slowly get to the idea of actually trading directly in, in crypto for goods and services and so in that way I can I, I'm, I'm I was yeah I was really blown away between the two meetups uh, all the all the different people I met, and, and one thing I didn't uh, put here, maybe I did put it on the slides, but uh, even if people hadn't a hundred percent clicked on the idea of trading crypto peer to peer, I did see a very good uh, level of understanding of the problems with fiat money. That was another thing that everybody did strongly understand was people, you know, were sort of knew that there was problems with the government, and you know, in the pandemic, obviously with the lockdowns, government control is more on everybody's mind and people understood about, you know, the government printing money at an insane rate and, you know, the devaluation of things. So people getting into crypto, even if they don't get, you know, all the way over the bridge on the first try in terms of this is going to be the new monetary system, you know, by osmosis or, or secondarily to that, there's a lot of financial education uh, going on in people who, who might not necessarily have always known about that or Maybe they were, uh, you know, more interested to read up on it and learn about it, and you know, it, it's it snuck in there, right? A, a bit of the uh, a bit of the free thinking kind of uh, rhetoric um, as a result. So a bit of a, a bit of a Trojan horse there, maybe a bit of a bonus. So yeah, you know, I think that that's yeah, good. That, that's good, but yeah, I mean, it's absolutely necessary for people to understand that stuff in order for them to appreciate the value of Bitcoin. You know. Like there are, there are people who, you know, if you just look at Bitcoin straight up, it's not as convenient really as, as a credit card, you know, these days, it's just not, uh, you need to understand the, you know, the, the ideology really behind it, you know, it's real reason, uh, for existence, you know, the idea of self custody and the idea of, uh, you know, a monetary system that's not controlled by the whims of some guy at the federal reserve but that you know each person um you know has has some some that it, but that's controlled by a mathematical algorithm essentially you know and the limited supply yeah that was another thing that people did get a little bit that that was definitely in the conversation was okay you know like dogecoin yeah it's a bit of a joke nobody really was saying oh it was loving dogecoin all that much but just the idea that there's limited supply of bitcoin and so on that was definitely in the conversation and, and also another thing that was notable i guess one of these was a, a bitcoin cash uh meetup but even in the, all those people you know 35 people uh between the two meetups there was nobody who was very very hardcore there was one guy i talked to who was a bit more on the bdc side than the bch side but when you read online and people who are just you know, toxic and they're more interested in uh you know trying to down you know down talk everything else and say it's all shit coins and everything like that that's just not really feasible face to face right is 
if you can you can be in your little online echo chamber but when you're talking to a real person if you act like that you just get socially excluded like in about five seconds so <laughs> none of that really flies and i was glad to see you know nobody there i don't think they even had any uh, thoughts of that right but uh the sort of all the good discussion that was going on and people you know making connections and talking to each other about crypto and stuff that's all operating outside of this completely separate dialogue online uh where it's often uh it's often quite a bit less uh friendly you know so yeah and mm -hmm. I, I think this is this problem that you've been you know working i guess we're all working on uh very hard about real world adoption and getting people to to build actual commerce and part of the issue is that it's a two-sided problem you need the people that to have the bch to be able to spend it at a merchant and you need to, the merchant to expend it to have people to want to, to want to spend it and do that uh trade and so it's very very hard to to build those connections but once you do build them they're very very valuable and they're very sticky and this is not something that any other cryptocurrency really is making any significant uh inroads in like my stories earlier of the people you know sitting there with the buy bitcoin posters all around them but not a single shop that they know that will accept it uh for payment or has it you know advertised next to the next to the cash register so yeah i mean just do you, do you have any uh thoughts about that or just give, give me give me the the full spill we've sort of been touching on it but as as regards your adoption efforts in in south america how does that work you know for, for real when you when you onboard a, a merchant so merchant adoption is actually relatively easy um you know you basically you show them how it works you say this can bring you new customers um and then you're you're good to go basically i mean you need to do continuing education you know you need to try to get them more involved in things to understand more of the the background behind it but basically with that you're done you know i can visit 40 merchants in two and a half hours and i can get at least two um and that's really all you need to start you know the way uh you know as we can see in the book uh the cross crossing the chasm uh seminal work on uh the patterns in adoption of uh high technology the um the people who first adopt something are, it's a very small percentage of the population. And then you need to get it across the chasm into the mainstream, you know? And some people are gonna resist, you know, like people resisted uh, touchstone phones, you, you know, for a long time. Uh, they wanted to ha keep their rotary phones. Some people are just like that, you know? So you don't actually need to convince everybody. Um, just to, in in the beginning, getting a few merchants in you know in a zone in a city or whatever, it's about creating some utility options and some social proof. So once you have uh, you know between say fifty and and five hundred, you know you, you're you're in decent shape. Of course, you want to get them concentrated into certain zones. You know, you don't want to be in a position where you have one merchant in the south of the city, one in the north, one in the east, and one in the west. Because there's no critical mass there, you know, um, it's hard. Like, let's say you do an event in the west of the city and you only have one merchant and people are like, well, where can I spend this? You know, what can I do? Merchant. <laughs> that's not, not very, that's not very good social proof. You, 
you know, we, we've had neighborhoods uh, at different times that had uh, upwards of 40, 50 merchants in like a six blocks area, six block area. And that's pretty tremendous uh, social proof because the real challenge is consumer adoption. Um, you know, merchant adoption is just not that hard. Uh, but getting consumers on board is quite challenging. Now, some people will say, oh, well, we just need to convince people to take their salary or convince the merchants to pay their, 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 their employees in Bitcoin Cash, right? But this is not really feasible due to the volatility, uh, the lack of, you know, th there's a lot of education, right? I, I may, that, that, that needs to happen. There's a major stumbling point around uh, the private key. You know, you'll, uh, we, we, when we onboard people, we point out the, the private key, the, the recovery phrase, we give them a little card, we make them write it down. We say, well, what, you should write it down somewhere else. You know, why don't you get like a you know, last pass account or something like that and write it down there too. And, you know, inevitably a certain percentage, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a significant percentage, lose all access to that. And then they're like, you know, oh, I lost my crypto, you know, and that's not a good experience for anybody. Um, so there, there's education there. We can't just, you know, have people uh, taking their livelihood in crypto before they're not properly educated, before they haven't adopted uh, or adapted to this other paradigm, right? Because a bank account, like you lose all your bank account stuff, well, you just get your state ID and you go to the bank and you get your money back, but you can't do that with Bitcoin Cash. Um, and also, you know, do the volatility, uh, even, you know, even if all that's solved, there's still the volatility, right? People are not used to sitting uh, on the internet every day and being like, well, what's the price? Do I need to buy and do I need to sell? They get paid, it goes to their bank account, and they're like, ah, I'm good, you know? So, um, and also some people say, well, now that you have the merchants, you know, because we have superior money, people will go to a local ATM or exchange and they'll trade their local fiat for uh, Bitcoin Cash and then they'll spend that at the merchants, right? No, 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 they won't because, uh, again, of the volatility and all the fees uh, associated with uh, entering and exiting um, crypto right now, people, they're going to, they'll get their local fiat that they earn and they'll, because the merchants also accept local fiat, they'll just spend local fiat, right? That's, that's the least, uh, friction there. So really we need to think about how do people, you know, what, the place where BCH can add the most value is when a transaction crosses a border, because when you compare it to the use of fiat in those situations, that fiat has so many complications, paperwork, uh, fees, all that stuff. It's, it's a mess, right? So, so now we're talking about inflows, you know, where does money come into a country? Um, and one of the largest sources of inflows uh, is remittances, a $700 billion a year industry. Um, and in some countries in the developing world, it accounts for a very large percentage of their GDP. And so really the, the, the trick, the trick is not merchant adoption. People think, oh, the, you know, what we really need is more merchant adoption. Uh, and once hundred percent of the merchants accept it, then everybody will flip over to Bitcoin cash. Well, no, that's not how it works. The consumer is king. The merchant is not king. The consumer is the king and the merchant is the servant. So really at the end of the day, even though we get merchants to accept it and merchants are like, Hey, this is pretty cool. 
they ultimately live and die by how closely they serve the consumer. So if the consumer says, I gotta ha I, I have Doge. I have Doge, man. I want your hamburgers. I want your pizza, but all I got here is Doge. You gonna accept it? Well, the merchant will be like, damn right I'm gonna accept that, you know? Um, so we have to get uh, BCH into the hands of the consumers. So, you know, Noise.Cash, what do they do? Basically, they're tipping uh, Mark DeMiesel's uh, $1 million to a bunch of people who are begging for it, you know? Like, I, I, I don't wanna be unduly negative about it because I think they're, do they're doing great stuff. But at the end of the day, that's what's happening. Right? Picking We need people we need to intercept. We need to get BCH into the inflow streams that are already running the world. You know? So uh, remittances, outsourcing, freelancing, and international trade. That, that's really where we need to get Bitcoin Cash right now. And once people are getting remittances in Bitcoin Cash, then we can intercept that 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 stream, you know, because the, their first uh, inclination is going to be like, oh, I got some Bitcoin Cash, I best sell this, right? But, you know, when we control the apps that people are using to do this, we can get in there and be like, hold on, don't sell at all because at your local supermarket down the street, they're giving a 5% discount for, for spending uh, Bitcoin Cash. And that's where the whole discount, merchant discount thing can fit in and be helpful. And then we can get people getting used to not selling off all of their their bitcoin cash and they're going to hold some they're going to spend some and then they're going to get used to it and they're going to realize it's superior and as if we can get millions tens of millions hundreds of me millions of people across the world doing this then that's that's going to increase the, that that's going to make the whole thing become kind of self uh, self-sustaining cycle right because the more people holding it the more people buying it to remit the more remittance recipients who are saying send me bitcoin cash i don't want don't stop using Western Union. The more demand there's going to be, um, you know, the the less the circulating supply is going to be. And then as the price goes up, people are like, I'm, I want to save in Bitcoin Cash, you know. Um, and merchants are going to be like, oh, Bitcoin Cash keeps going up. Everybody's using it. Uh, you know, I can afford to offer like a permanent 5% discount for payments in Bitcoin Cash because, you know, I'll profit on the other side because there's no fees and because so many people have it and I can just hold it for a little while and the value go up. Um, but really, we need to attack inflows because once without inflows, we lose merchants. Merchant, merchant adoption is a, a game of complete churn. We onboard some, there aren't enough customers, and they're like, what is this? I don't care about this. You know, this is too much for me to learn or worry about. Uh, but with inflows, that problem takes care of itself because the merchants are going to be competing uh, to serve those consumers. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think something that 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 my sort of approach to it, yeah, is that really we, we need to go big with the information you know that's what this podcast is is really about is that for a certain percentage of the population you've got to get them the the idea is the most important thing because giving somebody a dollar or two dollars of bitcoin cash it's interesting and it does get them starting to look at it and think about it and um you know maybe send it to a friend or or try and sell it or something you know and in that way they sort of join the economy but really you need to get the the education like you're saying is is the key thing because if you've given somebody the idea of let me receive this payment and then i can spend it somewhere and then they will 
sort of proactively go out and spend it at a, a merchant sort of in a, as an ideological thing or as a social experiment or to, you know, to to change the world in some way, right? That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to change the world. I think that's something that's been, been missed uh, a little bit. And certainly in a lot of other cryptos, they've got half the problem right in the sense that they're doing a great job. The whole crypto industry is of getting people to put in money and think this is valuable, even if it's just, it might go up later. Well, that's that's a long way there, but it's the other half of the cycle where they think I've, I, I've got this, and instead of trying to just flip it back and forth to fiat, I can just spend it. And then if you have enough people that recognize that it's valuable, then the trade sort of naturally arises uh, among them in that in, in that way, because somebody says, yeah, have you got crypto? And then the other person says, yep, <laughs> there you go. You're, uh, you're, you're trading, right? And and the rest kind of follows from there. Like uh, people who get educated in proportion to how frequently they come into contact with it and and how often it sort of appears on their on their radar. So yeah, I have this uh, little segment called. Oh, yeah, we really need to address inflows, though. You know, we really we need to get into we need to have apps that address um, inflow sources. You know that 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 really help people make use of Bitcoin Cash in these different inflow scenarios. Mm, yeah, I've never really been in the position. Mainstream people. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I've never been. Yeah, like a lot of uh, migrant communities and that kind of thing. I've I've personally not really been, I mean, I've sent money internationally, but uh, I've never really been in the, you know, position of like supporting a family overseas or, or that kind of thing. But that that's definitely, you know, communities that, that could, we could sort of target. It's a $700 billion per year industry and it's grown, it's been growing quite a lot. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. So, well, why isn't crypto sort of taking over that then? What's the... What's the holdup? Why aren't they thinking, fuck Western Union, let me send it in crypto? I mean, some people surely are. Why hasn't it just gone viral among them? Do you, do you know? It's too complex. Yeah. It's too complex. It's not easy enough to get. It's not easy enough to cash out. Um, there's not enough volume, so the fees can be, can be too high. We need an app, you know, just the way like, uh, you know, PayPal or TransferWise or whatever has... They made apps to make things easier for people. That's what we need to do. We need to build an app that makes it dead simple for people uh, to do this. Mm. I mean, when I think of that, when you say that, like with PayPal, I sort of think, I mean, there have been uh, attempts in the crypto space to do things like sending crypto to a phone number or because there's going to be there's got to be some kind of identifying point, right? Obviously, the typical one would be the crypto addresses but they get that at that point you've already lost people that it's too hard or it's too complex or something so you sort of want to piggyback onto something that they've already uh, got like mm. a phone number so i don't know maybe you could have a system where then it sort of quickly becomes centralized right where somebody has a registry of these are the phone numbers and they pay out to this certain address and if you're yeah no phone know. numbers doesn't work i mean it's 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 possible to intercept that it has to work with private keys we just have to do things like um uh, cash accounts, I think is the name of it, you know, where you have like a username and whatnot. But people can get used to working with the addresses. It's just the entering and the exiting that is quite hard. And there's no app that unifies the whole process mm. uh, that enables you to enter and exit uh, easily um, and to get educated about the whole thing. 
Today we have level, we still have level 1.0 wallets, mm. HODL wallets, really, because all you do is you send, uh, you receive, and you hold. That's all you do. We need utility wallets. We need wallets that uh, connect, um, they connect buyers and sellers more easily. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's via DEX, uh, you know, so that, you know, somebody who has um, dollars in, in Miami can easily connect with uh, someone who's going to exchange that and end up with pesos in, uh, in Bogota. Uh, we also need to connect all the utility options and not just in a directory that you have to go and find, but in something that pings you, you know, if, if you enable that option where, you know, you're walking down the street and you get a little notification. Uh, there's a, a Bitcoin cash merchant right here. And it, there also, there also has to be gamified, uh, education and adoption such that, um, you know, people are incentivized, um, to, to learn, they get paid to learn, they get paid to do adoption, uh, you know, so it's almost like a, a gig economy thing. But really, the bottom line for adoption is inflows. Yeah. You know, we can talk about ideas, we can talk about, you know, sharing it with our friends, you know, all that. But until we have inflows, it doesn't mean a damn thing. It's just a hobby. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, it's nothing more than that until we have serious inflows. Because only then do we have a chance of crossing the chasm and onboarding the mainstream and having lots of real economic activity on chain. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a problem <laughs> that nobody in the crypto scene is quite cracked and probably outside of the Bitcoin Cash community. <laughs> a lot of people are not trying to crack well, it. Well, <laughs> I, I have a business plan for it, actually. I have a pretty solid plan for it. It's based on um, four years of research, three years of field work. So. Yeah. And uh, um, I guess I'll put a link to that in the description. I know what you're uh, talking about, and we'll, we'll get a few more people to to read that. So if they they read that, I'd really appreciate that. No, yeah. absolutely. We'll, we'll chuck it in the a link in the in the description. So if they if they read that, what what is the key things they should be keeping in mind as they kind of look 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 at that document and they think about them? We need inflows, uh, and remittances is the biggest source. It's the source that touches uh, a large number of consumers, and we need an app that is going to make it easy to. And some people think about remittances and they want to build a, a custodial solution, you know, um, and that's that's not it. We have to connect people to existing liquidity solutions, and we have to connect them peer to peer, like local.bitcoin.com, but something that is actually being maintained and that works, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and we need to make that, all of that a lot simpler and a lot friendlier. Um, but basically, you know, the key point is that we, without inflows, we're not gonna make progress on adoption. And the biggest source of inflows by far is remittances. And so, um, you know, we need talent uh, in the ecosystem to be looking at that topic uh, to be thinking about that, uh, to, um, you know, to have some conversations about how we can approach that in a systematic fashion, because also it's not enough to say, oh, well, we'll, we'll set up a remittances from Miami to, to Caracas. That's, that's, that doesn't actually work because we, we've tried that. We've done pilots like that. 
Because the thing is, in Miami, you'll find people who want to remit to 500 different places across the globe, mm. right? Um, and in and in Caracas, you'll find people who, who are receiving remittances from people in 500 cities across the globe. So it's difficult to do, even though we, we did one uh, from Madrid to, to Caracas. We did a, a, pilot, a remittances pilot uh, with crypto for about six months in 2019, which was uh, quite successful. Um, but it's hard to do it if you're only doing one one to one. Mm. You need to have options, um, you know, in many in many places. You know, both in terms of originating liquidity and marketing, and in terms of receiving uh, utility options and uh, and also liquidity. Yeah. So it's it's a big problem. It's a big it's a big challenge, um, but it's really the only worthwhile one i mean if we're talking about cash use case if if we recognize that the developing world is the best place uh the most fertile ground for this um you know if we if we if we if the inflows challenge is a real thing uh you know look at it for yourself make your own decision um then that's that's the meat that's where we need to attack you know uh, i've been talking about this for years and I haven't seen anybody seriously challenge, uh, you know, my my theories and my research on this, uh, nor my fieldwork. Yeah. So I think, yeah, like you're saying, it's it really is comes down to a sort of network effect type of thing where if we can get a small foothold, then you can kind of grow it from there. And the problem, the hardest part is the is the initial uh, push, really. So yeah, if anybody's listening to this podcast and they are, uh, you know, sending money home. Uh, regularly or they're in that industry or anything like that and they they have some fresh ideas or things that they can bring to the table maybe maybe start thinking about uh, Bitcoin cash and and how how crypto could uh, could play into it because that that's what it's suited to so yeah I just have uh, yeah a comment uh, I always bring up a comment of the week so I've got one here from you where you're just talking about the the developing world and and all the reasons that it could be good for remittances uh, terms of you know the huge amount of people they're sort of excluded from the financial system um you know crossing borders all the stuff we've kind of covered but uh you know the well th yeah this this comment is actually um i mean remittances plays a role in all this but this is actually in response to someone who said that we shouldn't be focusing on the developing world we should be getting more traction in the united states and mm. europe you know and um, I mean, basically, the developing world is the place uh, that's the most fertile ground uh, for all, for all these reasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I agree with you. You know, uh, we we sort of got to target those excluded from the financial system because they have the they have the highest incentive uh, definitely to join. So yeah, we've already talked about this uh, remittances with the local merchants. All right, so. Since we get to the end of the show here, I always try and have a bit of a meme of the week to uh, make everyone laugh. So this one uh, comes from LucaLand97, who uh, his meme was, he's got the title here is Bitcoin Bull slash Holder. Uh, and the picture is the sort of meme uh, feels guy and he's crying and it says underwater position. So obviously the Bitcoin bull that is down. And then he's got the mask over the top with the ridiculous little uh, smiley face uh, emoticon. 
uh, and that is labeled it's just FUD. So I think in light of all the volatility that we've had and like we were talking about with the Twitter uh, soap opera and so on, you see a lot of people posting, oh, it's all just FUD and whatever, but they're kind of crying on the inside. And uh, this one this one made me, made me laugh uh, <laughs> this week. So yeah, just a uh, final thing then is, uh, I mean, obviously we, this whole episode is really a, a message to the community, but if you could condense it down to, you know, 30 seconds or, or a little like sound clip, a takeaway message for people to think about uh, wherever they're listening to this podcast, what, what, what would you say that the Bitcoin Cash community needs, needs to hear? We need to onboard more people. Uh, we need to onboard users, merchants, uh, remittance senders, uh, software developers, business developers. We absolutely need to grow in terms of people much more than in terms of uh, software at the moment. And we need to focus on adoption. And for that, we need to solve the inflows challenge. And the best way to do that is via remittances. We have a business plan for that. Anybody who is interested in working on it with us, we are very interested in that. You can reach out to me. I'm on Twitter, George Donnelly or george at panmoney.com. Okay, cool. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely, uh, you know, we'll have the links in the description <laughs> so everybody can uh, find that uh, really easily. You know, it's not the world's biggest platform, this podcast, but uh, we're, growing, we're growing it, uh, you know, one step at a time. So, yeah, hopefully at least uh, somebody uh, reaches out to you or you, you get some new uh, new traction on that, that initiative because, yeah, that's... That's it, really. It's as simple as adoption, and, and the more the better, right? Crypto crypto is for everybody. Um, so, yeah, I just want to give one special shout-out to uh, oh well Okay who drew me a new picture for my uh, podcast. I think that's that's helped a bit of an uptick in the in the subs because it's maybe a bit more personable, you know, and it's great to see the, the community, you know, getting engaged with the with the content or, or whatever, and, and that's really the, uh, the end of the show. So... As usual, uh, you can donate to the show directly in uh, BCH. Um, the slides and resources, I'll put them up at bitcoincashpodcast.com and there's loads of uh, links there with uh, resources for anybody who's interested in all this, not just my podcast, but loads of other great stuff uh, in the in the scene if you really want to get into the, the crypto uh, rabbit hole. And... Uh, I've got my shout outs for this week go out to everybody I met at the couple of meetups that we did. You know who you are. There's too, too many to, to list them all. Uh, it was really great to, to meet you all. And I'm sure a couple will be uh, listening. And yeah, I'll be uh, seeing you at another meetup soon. Do you have, uh, do you have anyone you want to give a, a special shout out to? Um. Shout out to my team, uh, the Pan Money, BCH Latam, Bitcoin Cash site team, Jose Sewas, everybody there doing great work, and uh, to Shamari Prince, who's a wonderful software developer uh, in the BCH space. All right. Sounds good. Well, that will uh, do it for the episode. And uh, until next time. He pulled out his laptop and rang up the site Looked at me and said, this'll change your whole life Then he started explaining the basics to me The miners make money by taking the fee Every time a transaction is made incomplete And they work every minute and day of the week A guy named Satoshi created this all He's the mastermind of it, the brain in the ball There's a lot more to say, but before I begin Just tell me right now if you're out or you're in